0: You're listening to a sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. We believe in unapologetic preaching, unashamed adoration of Jesus, unceasing prayer, and unafraid witness. Thank you for listening. Good morning. Merry Christmas, everyone. Turn with your Bibles to Matthew uh, chapter 1, please. As you turn there, just wanted to uh, take a little time this morning just to say an extra special Merry Christmas. I know some of you will be away uh, for uh, Christmas Eve, and so just uh, quickly, on behalf of my family to yours, uh, we just wish you the very best of, of what God has for you this Christmas season. It's such a privilege to be uh, your pastor, it's such a privilege to do life together, and we really, we really truly do wish you all of God's love, joy, peace, and hope that can only come through Jesus Christ uh, this Christmas season. And, and so uh, you know, that's what it is. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, if, if you want to turn there, uh, I want to start with this. Isn't Christmas the best time of the year? You guys think so, or just me? I, I think Christmas is the best time of the year. Of all the, the holidays we celebrate, Christmas and Easter are kind of the big ones for us, but Christmas kind of trumps them all, doesn't it? In our house, Christmas, sister starts asking about Christmas in June. She's like, Is it Christmas yet, Dad? Uh, not quite, honey. And then Ruth, she jumps on this train right after Halloween's over November 1st. Ruth's like, hey, let's get the Christmas music going. Let's put the tree up. I have to hold her back until December because I don't want to lose. Like, I get, those Christmas cards drive me nuts if we listen to them for two months straight. But the hype starts as anticipation for what Christmas is. And, um, let me ask you this. What, what do you anticipate the most about Christmas? What, what is the one thing that really fires you up about the most about Christmas, the Christmas season? As I thought about this, I found a survey, a street survey in the U.S. that tells us what our culture thinks, what our culture looks forward to at Christmas. And here's some things that, in no particular order, here's, here's some things that, when people are randomly surveyed, what, what is Christmas all about? Here's what, here's what the random survey has come up with. Santa. Presents. Smiles on the faces of my family. Some of you resonate with this one. Food. Family gatherings or traditions. Time with my kids or grandkids. Students, days off school or days off work. So for some people, this is it. What's the greatest thing about Christmas is that Christmas will soon be over. I actually made the list of the top things we look forward to at Christmas. None of them are really surprising to me. Are they surprising to you, some of those things? None of them. You know what is shocking to me, though? Absolutely shocking is nowhere in our vocabulary anymore in 2016 in a con- North American context are the words Jesus, you know, Christ's birth, or anything to do with, with the spiritual realm, anything about Christmas songs or serving at Christmas or worship service, it just seems to be gone. And I ask myself, every Christmas, how can, how can our society miss Jesus Christ? How, how can our society be so quick to put all their eggs in the Santa basket? Like, really, Santa? And yet, so slow to go go anywhere near Jesus Christ. even ask myself this question, how come there's so many people in our church, in our church as in North America, who are born-again believers, who are evangelical Christians, that honestly, they read that list, they're like, uh yep, uh-huh, 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 and saw nothing missing from the list because their hope is exactly where their world's hope is. Why is that? Why is that? I think two things is what I think about. I think two things of, of... Two reasons why we seem to put Jesus maybe at the center of our, or the middle of our lives, or the bottom of our lives instead of the top. And number one is this is that we really don't deep down believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God who came on Christmas morning to save the world from their sins. Oh, yeah, we want to believe it. We, we, we hope to believe it, but deep down within us, no one's really explained uh, the, the concrete evidence we have to fully believe that this is, Jesus is who he says he is. Or maybe it's simply this, that we haven't grasped the life-changing reality of why Jesus came. And we hear other people talking about, but we've never encountered Jesus ourselves. And we've never fully understood the full significance of what a Savior here means to my life. And so this Christmas, we're going to go through just two sermons through uh, Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. Two sermons that I pray will leave us at the end of Christmas Eve with these two realities in our heart. Number one is this, convinced Convinced that Jesus' arrival is for sure and for real, and He is who He says He is. And number two, this that our hearts would again be caught up with a wonder of the miraculous coming of Jesus at Christmas. That Jesus would truly be our hype, our only hype uh, this Christmas season. And so, I'm going to read this passage, and I'm going to pray, and then just dive into it. The title of this message simply: "Is this Anticipating a Savior?" Matthew chapter one, verse eighteen. Now, the birth of Jesus Christ looks like this. This is how it all went down. took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And her husband Joseph, being just a man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying this, Joseph, son of David, do not fear. Take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Jesus, let me pray that God will make this word come alive and real in our hearts today. Bow with me, I pray, in your hearts as I bow before our Father in heaven on my knees. God, I thank you for this awesome privilege we have to come into your house this Christmas season and truly lift up the name of Jesus. God, I pray a simple prayer today over our people, over my own heart. God, would you help us see the the unbelievable truth of Jesus in a fresh way, in a new way, in a real way uh, this Christmas season. And God, would you help our hearts be totally captivated by the reality of Christ. Father, protect us from, from celebrating like the world celebrates. Protect us from getting caught up in all the things the world gets caught up in. And yes, those things are good and they're not wrong, but God, over all those things, may we as your people be set apart to truly lift high the name of Jesus this Christmas season. Oh, Father, this message, I pray, would not fall on any deaf ears or hard hearts in here. Instead, oh God, would you do the work of the Holy Spirit, the work that only you can do, and would you cause our 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 spiritual eyes to see, our spiritual ears to hear, and our spiritual hearts to understand the full reality of Christmas that we might leave here, God, with a greater, with a renewed wonder and expectation uh, for who you are and what you want to do in our lives. Help us in this, God, today. Be present among us. uh, In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, Matthew chapter 1. Here's the two verses we're going to look at this morning. It's kind of maybe random to you, but there are two verses in the middle of this passage, and we're going to unpack the rest on Christmas Eve. It's verses 22 and 23. We simply want to look at this morning the reality of Jesus coming from an Old Testament perspective and a fulfillment of the prophecies. Look what it says here in verse 22. All this, all that I read to you, all this, all the, the hoopla surrounding Jesus' birth, all this took place, simply this, to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Quoting from Isaiah seven fourteen. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. The the whole Christmas, the whole Christmas season, the whole reason Jesus came was to fulfill what the prophets had told us from a long time ago, that Jesus Christ would come and save his people. Christmas has always been about anticipation, not just since Jesus came, but for centuries before Jesus came. Here's what happened, that God's people were longing for and looking for a Messiah, a Savior, to come and finally liberate them and set them free both physically and spiritually and so they were constantly god when are you coming god when are you going to fulfill your promise to us and so we get to this text in Matthew chapter 1, and, and this is why it says in this uh, passage in chapters 1 and 2, five times it says, and this all took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Here's what God was trying to help his people right away, early on, realize that that Jesus Christ is the fulfillment of all God's prophecies about the Messiah it's not a small truth that we can just skip past. So often we skip past these verses and get to the the deeper meaning. These are not truths we can skip past this morning. I feel like it should be in bold, almost like God yelling at his people in a good way, this is the one. Hey, you know the one you've been praying for, the one you've been looking for? This is the one. Don't look any longer. Don't look any further. Jesus Christ is the one. This baby, this day is the one from long ago that fulfills all of my promises for my people. Remember I told you I'd give you a once and for all Savior? This is the one. The one that would change the course of all human history. The one I told you would come and make all wrongs right and save your my people, not just from their enemies, but also from themselves. Look no further. Here is the Messiah. I want you to write this down in your notes as we start this. Jesus' birth fulfills God's Old Testament promise of a Messiah. Jesus' birth fulfills God's Old Testament promise of a Messiah. This whole account of Jesus' coming is fulfilling prophecy, things foretold about Jesus a long time before he ever came. Sometimes up to a thousand years before Jesus ever came, God wrote some things down for us so when Jesus came, we wouldn't miss them. And so I want to give you a bit of apologetic of, of Jesus' birth. Apologetic, not apologizing for Jesus' birth, but a, a defense, a, a intellectual a defense of, of why we believe what we believe about Jesus' birth. This particular verse in 23 is quoted from Isaiah chapter 7. And, and it's a time when God's people were in tough times. They uh, Surrounding nations were ganging up on them. They didn't have one enemy. They're like tag teaming against them. And and King Ahaz was scared. He's like, what are we going to do? And and so God sent Isaiah the prophet to him to tell him, don't worry. God is with you. God has his hand upon his people. And Ahaz wasn't believing that. So, you know, God said to Ahaz, hey, Ahaz, ask me for a sign. Ahaz, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to ask you for a sign. Forget it. That's just silly. God's like, you know what? I love you so much, I'm going to give you a sign, even though I didn't, you're not asking me for a sign. And here's what the sign is. You want, you want me to show you how much I am for you, how much I will always be with you? Here is a sign for you, and this is the sign that God gave to Ahaz through Isaiah. He says this in Isaiah 7, verse 14, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God, God is with us. This is a sign that was going to be partially fulfilled in Isaiah's day. God was going to show them that he was with them, but ultimately it was going to be fulfilled for all people of all generations in the person of Jesus Christ. Already I'm kind of amazed at this whole the way this whole story goes down. Isn't it amazing that, that, that God tells Ahaz, give me a sign. Ahaz says, I'm not going to do it. And yet God loves him enough to give him a sign anyways. That's how God pursues his people. He gives us signs and he gives us he, he puts himself right in front of us so that we don't miss him. And I even think in my own life, I didn't ask God for any signs. In fact, I didn't want any signs. And yet, what did God do? He put himself right in front of me with many signs that he was real and alive and wanted a relationship with me. This is what God does in our lives. He, he, he gives us proof of his existence and he, he affirms himself in our lives. For those who want to see, God will show you that he is real and he is true and he is for you and not against you. That God wants to show you he cares so much about you. And so God gave Ahaz a sign. You know what he's done for us? He's given us over 300 signs to prove the reality of his existence and show us that Jesus Christ wasn't just some random guy. Jesus Christ isn't a myth. Jesus Christ isn't something that somebody made him into being. Jesus Christ is truly the son of God. Come for you and I. That we might be, saved, might be saved from our sins. 300 signs, and there's many, of the 300 signs, many of them surround the birth of Jesus. I've given you all the signs that surround the death of Jesus. This Christmas, I want to give you all the signs that surround the birth of Jesus. This is significant, so don't, don't, don't lose me on this. I'll tie it all in in a second here, but these aren't just random facts I'm giving you. I don't care about random facts, do you? No, nope, me neither. These are important truths that you need to know and grab a hold of if you're going to know the full reality of Jesus Christ. Here's, here's some of the things that God pointed out for us before Jesus ever came so that we would know that it was his son. God made it clear his son was going to do some things when he came. Number one is this, come from Abraham's family tree. Back in Genesis 22:18, 18, God said, hey, when my Messiah comes, he's going to come from the line of Abraham. Look what happens. Just flip your page over to Matthew chapter 1, 1, the genealogy of Jesus Christ. And you're like, what's this matter? Why do we care where he came from? We care because this is fulfilled prophecy. Look at 1 verse 1, the book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of? Right in there, right? Already, first verse of Matthew 1, we see a fulfilled prophecy from Genesis 22, 18. Like, well, that's a pretty big pool to choose from, though, right? Genesis, we see in Genesis that God also told Abraham that his descendants were going to be as numerous as the stars of the sky. That's a lot of people. He's going to have a family tree that was as many as the sands on the seashore. So God just didn't give us one prophecy of where he was going to come from. God then added to that prophecy with refining it even further so we weren't sure that when Jesus came, we'd know who he was. And so we see in Genesis 21 that God says it's actually going to be not just through Abraham's seed, but it's going to be through his son Isaac. Remember that story in Genesis, right? So He's going to come through Isaac, and we see that being played out in Genesis 21, 12. And he narrows it down further from, from Isaac. It's going to come through his son Jacob in Numbers 24:7, 7, 17. Then he's going to come, make sure you know he's going to come from the tribe of Judah, Genesis 49.10. He's going to be a descendant of Jesse, Isaiah 11.1. 1. And finally, he's going to come directly from the family tree of David in Jeremiah 23.5. There's no random chance to God, right? could be anybody from Isaiah. Okay, he's going to come from Isaiah. He's also going to come from the line of David. This is verified in the New Testament, Matthew 1 and Luke 3. All these predictions were fulfilled, so already we see six prophecies in the genealogy of Jesus already fulfilled. God was really just pinpointing for us exactly which branch of Abraham's tree Jesus would come from, so we'd be crystal clear in our minds. Second thing God made clear is this through the, the, the birth of Jesus story. God made clear that, he, that Jesus is going to make his grand entrance in Bethlehem. If you look down a little bit, chapter 2, verse 6, actually verse 5, they told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, when the, the, the shepherds were like, where do we go? The wise men, I mean, where do we go? In Bethlehem of Judea, for it is written by the prophet, which prophet is this? This is the prophet Micah. And you, O Bethlehem, the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. This is actually foretold about Jesus in Micah 5, 2. Where is Jesus going to come from? Not any random spot. He's going to come from one place, Bethlehem. They wouldn't have picked this in Jesus' time. Well, if you're going to pick where Jesus is going to come from, I'm guessing Jerusalem. Eh, Bethlehem, a little town outside Jerusalem, which is insignificant, really. It'd be like me telling you something great is going to come out of Font Hill. You'd be like, really? Trust me. God's like, trust me, it's coming out of Bethlehem. And it was fulfilled as we see here in this passage. He also tells us that he's going to arrive from virgin birth. We saw that in Matthew chapter 1, 23. 700 years before this, Isaiah says it's going to be a young young girl, engaged, a righteous woman, before their marriage is officially consummated. She's going to become pregnant with a child by a seed implanted by the Holy Spirit. She's never going to come in contact with a man, but she's going to have a baby. Today's day and age, we're like, oh, yeah, that can happen, right? All kinds of crazy things happen with, like, these medical things. But you still need a man for that. God's like, this is going to happen. And that is, like, impossible. It's not It's not impossible. You don't even need a man for this. The Holy Spirit is going to plant a seed inside of this young girl. And this child is going to be called Emmanuel. which simply means God with us. So Israel's wild scenario, like is that ever going to be fulfilled, fulfilled here in Matthew chapter 1? Matthew records exactly what happened as Isaiah prophesied. Also in Scripture, Psalm 72, verses 9 and 10, two things come out of that. Messianic Psalm. They tell us that he's going to be, the Messiah is going to be worshipped by shepherds. We see that being fulfilled in, in Luke 2.9. They tell us that the, the Messiah is going to be showered with gifts by wise men. It says that in, in uh, Matthew chapter uh, 2.11. More prophecies fulfilled. Another one, it says in, in uh, Hosea 11.1 1, that the Messiah was going to be called out of Egypt. Chapter 2, verse 18. This was to fulfill what the Lord has spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I have called my son. That's Hosea 11.1. 1. You know, but wasn't Jesus born in, in Israel? How does this all work? Remember the whole story? Jesus was born. Herod goes nuts. I'm going to kill the firstborn of every family to make sure I get the right one. So what does God show up to Joseph in a dream? Where does Joseph go? Egypt, until when? Until God calls him back. It's fulfilled. See, elsewhere in scripture that is going to, Jesus was going to come at a time of great sorrow. The Messiah was going to come at a time of great sorrow. Jeremiah 31, 15. If you look a little further down in your text in chapter 2, verse 18. This is Jeremiah 31, 15. 17 says this, then was fulfilled what was spoken by the prophet Jeremiah. A voice was heard in Ramah weeping and loud la- uh, lamentation. Rachel weeping for her children. She refused to be comforted because they are no more. When all these firstborn were killed, there was great weeping and great sorrow. i just like to be here if, if, if all of a sudden all of our firstborn were... These are all the events surrounding Jesus' birth. Psalm 110, another messianic psalm says this, that the Messiah will be called Lord. In Luke 2.11, they call him Lord when the birth announcement comes. He'll be called Son of, the, son of God. Psalm 2.7, Luke 3.22 shows us that that actually happened as well. I don't know about you, but to me, this is fascinating. A little bit fascinating for you? Anyone else in here a skeptic, just at, at, by nature a skeptic? That'd be me. I'm just a, nature, a skeptic by nature. I grew up in a pastor's home, and my dad told me, Jesus is true, Jesus is true. I'm like, yeah, good for you, Dad, but give me facts, man. I want the good, hard facts. No one else believes this. Maybe you're just a little bit off, Father. It's just the way I thought. And yet you come to pastors like this, and you come to understand all the, the, the prophets and all that they had said beforehand, and... and we just see overwhelmingly that God did not want us just to walk through life wondering, is this just my dad? Is this what just what the church teaches? God wanted us to know for sure that Jesus Christ, when He came, He was God Himself in the flesh, come as a baby, in a manger by a virgin for the salvation of His people. Overwhelming evidence. You know what the chances of just eight of these things coming true are in one person? I think I shared this with you earlier this year. I'll share it with you in a different way. But you know the chances of just... You know, I know some people think, well, you know, that, what a coincidence. So, so Christ, Christ hit, like, you know, 10 or 12 of these things. What a coincidence. It's, it's not a coincidence. You know the chances of one person fulfilling just eight prophecies over 300, but just, just eight... You know what the chances of that are? It's 1 and 10 to the power of 17, that's like a, a 10 with a one with 17 zeros on it. Like, That's pretty profound odds. That would be like us rallying up uh, 10 feet, going to the state of, of New York and stacking that thing, filling it with 10 feet high of loonies. Like think basketball hoop, 10 feet high of loonies. In the state of New York, throwing a toonie in the middle of the pile somewhere, flying Sargon over top, parachuting him in and saying, Sargon, you're being blindfolded? Find the toonie. Overwhelming evidence that all these things are not some guy's idea. This is actually God pointing out for us the full reality of Jesus so we wouldn't miss him. Jesus fulfilled in his lifetime 60 major Old Testament prophets with over, prophecies with over 300 ramifications. Not just in his birth, but in his life. The ancient scriptures say that Jesus would be called prophet, priest, and king. New Testament attributes all of these to Jesus. The prophets told, that told us that Jesus would be preceded by a messenger. John the Baptist comes and he affirms that, "Hey, Hey, I'm just the one coming before the greater one. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals, it says in Matthew 3.11. Old Testament tells us that the Messiah would minister in Galilee and perform miracles and he'd be pierced and his accusers would divide his garments among themselves. All these things, you know why God put all these things in the Bible years before Jesus actually came? So we could sit here today in 2016 and be just as convinced as the shepherds were as they stared upon the newborn baby. We could be just as convinced that this is the Messiah. This is the Messiah. You Still don't believe me that that Jesus is the one who he says he is? Let me give you some more stats to help you get the significance of the fact that all these prophecies came through in one person. You double that 8 to 16. You take that, you know, the the 8 that he fulfilled, make it 16. It goes from 1 in 10 to the power of 17 to 1 in 10 to the power of 45. The chance of you getting hit by lightning this coming year are 2 times 10 to the 6, or 1 in 2 million. The chance of you winning a lottery are like 1 in almost 14 million. And get this, a chance of a meteorite landing on your house, get this, is 1.8 times 10 to the 14, true fact. And yet Jesus is fulfilling... 16, 60 prophecies. One person, this is not a figment of our imagination, brothers and sisters. This is a reality of God loving us enough to make sure that we didn't miss Jesus. Here's my question. I don't think the, the fact of the matter of really believing in Jesus is because of a lack of evidence. I believe the evidence is there. I believe he's real, he's alive. The problem is that we don't want to know more than what we don't know. The problem is not that we don't know. The problem is that we don't want to know the reality of Jesus. Let me ask you this. What about you? What about you this morning? Some of you, I'm sure, are here because it's Christmas and someone invited you or you just felt it was the right thing to do because it's Christmas season. Do you believe in the full reality of Jesus Christ? Or do you put Jesus in the same, same category as Santa Claus? Made up myth and gives us nice warm fuzzies, but nothing more than that. And you've asked God, you've asked God, maybe you've never asked God, God, you never asked God for a sign. Well, you know what God wants to do in your life today? God wants to give you not just one sign, but 300 signs. Because God loves you that much. And God doesn't want you to miss out on this Christmas season. The only gift that you will ever get that truly satisfies your soul. The only gift that money cannot buy that truly satisfies your soul. That is why you're here today. Not just to come in and do your Christmas time. You're coming here today to encounter a Savior by God's divine plan. I pray that you will hear these things and God will give you belief in your heart. Another group of people in here are the, the people who kind of like, the, the iffy people. They're like, you know what? My parents taught me this just like you and, and I want to believe. I, 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 I think that I should believe. I just can't seem to believe. Let me tell you this. You're not committing intellectual suicide by believing in the reality of Jesus no matter what your professors will tell you, no matter what your coworkers will tell you. It's not ludicrous to believe in the, the, the reality of Jesus Christ. We have concrete evidence before us to show us that Jesus is not a stab in the dark. You can confidently believe and no longer sit on the fence or waffle about this person we call Jesus. You can come to him with full assurance that he is who he says he is, and he will change your life in the way that he promises to change your life. And you don't have to rumble through another Christmas season watching everybody else have all the fullness of significance and meaning and sitting alone feeling empty, even though you're going through all the things you know you're supposed to do that are supposed to be adding to your life. You can surrender your heart to Jesus fully and finally and say, Jesus, I believe, help my unbelief. Third set of people in here is those who are already convinced of this, that those that I'm, I'm giving you, I'm giving you stuff that you're like, yeah, I've heard that before, I don't need more to convince me. Well, I'm praying all this does, those, the, the evidence of the fulfilled prophecies of Jesus would simply do this, they give you more love for Jesus. I pray you have more fervency in your worship. You wouldn't just sing Christmas carols because you're supposed to. You'd be, you'd be singing because out of your heart is overflowing. Oh, wow, what kind of God do I serve? An awesome God. A God who not just sent his son but gave me all these things so that when he came, I wouldn't miss him. I, I pray that you even do this in your heart this, this Christmas. To give you more confidence and boldness in sharing Jesus. I'm convinced we want to share Jesus, but we're, we, we're, we're afraid that people are going to come at us, we're not going to know what to say. And I, I pray that even just simply some stats I just threw out at you, which hopefully you wrote some of them down. You can say, you know what, I, I'm going to church on Christmas Eve and I'm going to worship my Jesus and ha, 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 don't laugh, he's for real. Here's some concrete evidence of, of how you can be, know that he is for sure. pray these truths of the prophecies will simply just do this. They'll help you be boldly and profoundly proud to give people the real reason for Christmas this Christmas. How many of us, how many of us walk through Christmas and never share Jesus with anyone at Christmas? Pray that's not our Christmas this Christmas. Pray that God will use this mightily in your life. said it a couple times already, but I want to write this down in your notes just as we continue on with understanding the whole reason for prophecies, the whole reason for five times in this passage it's saying this is what the prophets told us because here's what God's heart for you is in all of these things it's simply this that God's heart for us is to clearly see Jesus God's heart for us is to clearly see Jesus God's not random God doesn't do things for no reason. He wrote us the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. All the prophecies include us that we would see Jesus Christ. That's it. Not so we could study and get more head knowledge. Not so we could say we're, we're, we're deeper understanding that other people Jesus, that we would see Jesus clearly with our lives. Because he did, God does not want any man, woman, or child to ever miss the precious son that he gave for us that changes our history and the very existence of all who put their faith in him. This is why we have the prophecies. This is why we have the story written so clearly in such great detail in the New Testament. So we wouldn't miss Jesus. That you wouldn't miss Jesus. That your, your friends and family and your coworkers wouldn't miss Jesus. Think of the consequences of missing Jesus in this life. When I was still doing youth speaking, uh, I would fly to different places and um, get picked up at airports by people I had never met before. I remember one winter, I was going out to do a snow camp out in Winnipeg, of all places, and uh, never met the guy who was flying me out, and so we corresponded email. I hadn't even seen a picture of him, so before we left, here's what I did. I was like, hey Mark, you need to give me a detailed description of who you are because the last thing in the world I want is to be stranded in the Winnipeg airport For three hours, because you can't leave that airport, you'll die from freezing cold, right? And so I got it, like Mark's, like detailed. Like, I want to know how tall you are, I want to know how much you weigh, I want to know what you're wearing, what kind of facial hair you have, Like, like just spell it out for me. When I get off that plane, I don't want to miss you. So he sent me this detailed account of, of what he looked like and where he was going to be standing. And so, uh, honestly, I studied it the last five minutes in the airplane. I'm just studying, I was like, like, I don't want to miss this guy. Not realizing that Winnipeg Airport is like four people there and you can't miss him anyways. <laughs> I was picturing big, it's small. And so uh, when I got off the plane, though, I went, you know, bumbling down the thing with my little carry-on bag. And honestly, the moment I saw the guy, I knew knew exactly who it was. I didn't have to wonder. I didn't have to guess. I just was like, man, I just knew exactly who he was. Went up to Mark, Darryl, Darryl, Mark, introductions, hug, hug, pat, pat, and away we went. I was like, man, I'm so glad I found you. Can you imagine getting stuck at the Winnipeg airport? (laughs) This is why Jesus went to such great lengths to give us a detailed, accurate description of what he would look like. Maybe not physically, but what things would surround his birth and his life that we would not miss him. Because there's far greater consequences for us missing Jesus than there was for me in missing a guy at the Winnipeg airport. I miss that guy. I, I rent a car and I figure my way my way around. We miss out on Jesus. and We're not stuck in an airport. You know what we're, stu- we're stuck in? We're stuck in a prison of sin, in a prison of darkness, in a prison of emptiness with no hope of ever getting out. Jesus is not just the one to pick us up. He's the one to, to take us beyond and, and take us through life and take us to heaven. And so we miss out on Jesus. We miss out on it all. And that's why God gave us all the prophecies. So when Jesus made his grand entrance in the world, we wouldn't miss him. That's why God threw a massive party when Jesus was born. He threw a party with with the light show of all light shows. You know, we decorate our houses for Christmas. Jesus had the, God had the the light show of all light shows for for Jesus' birth. Remember in in Luke chapter 2, what happened? Jesus is born an angel shows up out of nowhere to the shepherds, right? Woo! Behold! And then, then behind the angels were like a heavenly chorus, a multitude of angels. Like the whole sky was lit up with angels. This, this party of the angels were hosting. And he put a star right over Bethlehem. So, so not just so the shepherds and the wise men would see, but so the world would sit up and take notice. Hey, you can miss a lot of things. You can even miss your children's birth. But don't miss the birth of my son. Don't miss the birth of my son. That's what the whole Bible is about. You know that, right? The whole Bible is about Jesus. Old Testament points to Jesus. The Gospels reveal to us what Jesus was like when he lived on this earth. The, the epistles after the, the Gospels, after Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, after Jesus ascended, the epistles are just showing us showing us where Jesus is and how we're to live in light of Jesus' return. The whole Bible is about a risen Savior, Jesus. Get this. I think Christmas. Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. He is God incarnate. He is God's greatest gift to all mankind. The only gift we could ever want or need Jesus is God wrapped up in human flesh, delivered to all mankind in the form of a baby. A baby that would grow up and become the first person ever to live the perfect life that you and I can't live, only to die the death that you and I deserve to die. This is the gospel. This is the greatest gift ever given. And you know what? Let's be honest. You could have everything you've ever longed for on this earth under your tree. You miss out on Jesus. Those things don't matter. You don't have anything near of what God intended for your soul to know and to experience in this life in a spiritual sense. You get your new car, you get your iPod, you get your iPad, you get whatever, you, and you miss out on Jesus. The, you'll be satisfied temporarily until January 13th. Until it gets bored. Until you get bored. But you'll never know the full reality of the, the gift that, that will never get boring. It never, He never gets old. He gives you everything you've ever longed for or wanted in Jesus Christ. This is why Jesus came to give us the full reality of what God has for our lives. Ever wondered why Jesus came? It's in-depth, it's intense, it's theological. I'm going to give you 20 reasons why Jesus came, and don't write them down. I'll put them up on, on we'll post them somewhere after the service. So I know you're going to start writing frantically, and people did for service, they can't keep up anyway, so don't even try. But but here's 20 reasons of why Jesus came, 20 reasons why you can't miss out on Jesus. So You have the biggest gift you've ever had in your life under your tree, and, and you miss out on Jesus, it, it doesn't matter. Here's 20 reasons why Jesus came. These are the biggest gifts you'll ever get one by one to preach and cast out demons, Mark one thirty eight. Jesus came to confirm God's promises to us. Jesus came to reveal the hidden wisdom of God to us, Matthew 13, 35. Jesus came to fulfill the law. He came to give us the Holy Spirit. He came to destroy the works of the devil in your life and in the world around us. He came to judge the world. He came to testify to the truth. He came to demonstrate his righteousness. He came to conquer death. He came to free us from the fear of death. He came to reconcile us to God. He came to seek and to save that which is lost. Which was lost? You and I were lost. Wandering around aimlessly. No sense of direction. No where to go. Aiming for a cliff. He came to seek and save that which is lost. He came to serve and give his life as a ransom for all who would believe. He came to save sinners, as Paul says in 1 Timothy 15, of which I am the foremost. He came to save wicked souls like you and I, who wanted nothing to do with him, who were enemies of him. He came to save us. He came to give us abundant life. John 10.10, 10, I have come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. He came to proclaim God's love for us. You ever wondered if God loves you, look no further than the manger. God loves you. Why would God send his son into the world? Because, because he loves you. And you. He knew that he was your only hope. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He came to reveal God to us. Hebrews 1.3 You want to know what God looks like? He looks like Jesus. Everything that Jesus is, God is. He came to reveal God to us. He came to accomplish God's will for our lives and for the world around us. He ultimately came to glorify God that God would be preeminent in every heart and every mind and every soul. This is why Jesus came. Awesome, isn't it? It takes on a whole new significance, does it? Like this, can you picture all that wrapped up in one little baby in a manger? This is the gift of all gifts. Ultimately, it came that we might know God, have a connection with our Heavenly Father, and have an opportunity to spend an eternity with God after this life is over. Do you realize that we as believers have the greatest reason to celebrate at Christmas over everybody else? Like, there's a reason why we get fired up about Christmas. There's a reason why there's a bigger smile on our face, a bigger bounce on our step, a bigger s- sing to our song. There's a reason why we decorate our houses and even have people over for dinner and celebrate. There's a reason why we get our kids gifts. and It's not the world reasons, It's not selfish reasons about me. It's not trying to become bigger in people's eyes or get what I want. You know our reason for doing all these things is is to simply point people to the greatest gift ever, Jesus Christ, to celebrate the fact that God is with us. Emmanuel came for me. This is why Christmas is held in so high esteem around the world even though people have no idea why. Tried to wipe it off the map. We can't wipe Christmas off the map because God won't let us forget the birth of his son. Cradle is a powerful emblem of God's love. It marks the beginning of God's eternal plan of salvation that would end at the cross. Jesus came that we might have eternal life. I encourage you this Christmas, let that soak in. Don't do the thing that's easy to do and just read your quick story before you open gifts and then get on at the day and forget about it after. There's your token things. Like, like sit and, and ponder the deep reality of God with us. Emmanuel spend time truly worshipping with your family there's too many things to do there's, there's not too many things to do than, than more important than worshipping God take take the list of 20 things once we post it and just everyday sit and ponder one of them just open up every little gift one by one of those 20 things just every for the next 20 days open up one gift every day and just sit and ponder it and ask God help me know the reality of this in my heart help me see the fullness of who you are help me get the reality of the incarnation in my life Jesus came that we might have a fullness of eternal life and it starts the day we Accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior. They repent of our sins and say, Jesus, I believe you are my only hope. That's where it starts. And then it goes on throughout eternity. And brothers and sisters, there's there's nothing in this world that can give you that. No person can give you that. Not even your kids or your grandpas, your grandmas. I love them, you love them. They can't give you that. Santa can't give you that. When it's all said and done, if we miss Jesus... We miss it all. It grieves me, it grieves me that the world misses this. As you know, I'm a news junkie, so this past week, I'm thinking Christmas, obviously, and USA Today had this story of a man named uh, Eric Schmidt Mattson in Tennessee. He was a Santa Claus. Like, he he looked like Santa. (laughs) Creepy, but it's true. He's just known as Santa, and so... Not too long ago, he got a call from the, the ER uh, emergency room nurse that called him and said, hey Santa, we have a little boy here who's five, who's on his last, last breath and his last dying wish is to see Santa. Can you make it and fulfill his last wish? He's like, yeah, I'll make it. Let me throw on my, throw on my suit. She's like, no time for suit. Throw the suspenders on. You look like Santa already. And so he went busted into that ER, into that, in the ER room and this little boy's laying there and he brought him a gift, and he's like, hey, how's my number one elf? And the kids, apparently, apparently it's a true story. It's been refuted in the past few days. I want to make sure i give you a fact, but apparently it's a true story. And the little kid's eyes kind of flickered and a little glimmer, and he says, Santa, am I really your number one elf? He's like, oh yeah, you're my number one elf. Talked to him for a little bit, and the little boy says, Santa, they tell me I'm going to die. What do I do next? Santa picked him up and hugged him, and he said, son, just, when you take your last breath, just tell them, that you're Santa's number one elf and they'll let you in. And he's like, can you help me, Santa? Then he took his last breath. And then the mom and dad who were out in the hall came busting in. And uh, Santa went busting out because he was so sad. It's a heart-wrenching story. As a dad, that's just a heart-wrenching story. I can't even imagine. There's even more heart-wrenching than that. This little kid put his hope in Santa. And there is no hope in Santa. There's just no hope in Santa. Jesus Christ is the only one who can offer your soul everything it longs for in this life. And he is the only one that can usher you into the next and get you into heaven at the feet of the Father. No one on this earth can do this, can do that. No present can do that. No Santa can do that. Only Jesus can do that. I implore you, brothers and sisters today, to know the full reality of the God who came to save you. Ask him today. Ask him today to renew in your heart an appreciation and an affection and a wonder and an awe of Jesus let's together make the most of Jesus this Christmas in the way that we worship, in the way that we celebrate, in the way that we proclaim to those around us who need much more than Santa and much more than a gift in this life. Let me pray that God would make this real and alive in all of us today. Father, I thank you for the living word of God. I thank you, O God, that we can open up your word and we can see truth and we can know truth. I thank you, O God, for the prophecies you gave us hundreds and even a thousand years before you came of what you'd look like, that we would not miss Jesus. God, we admit that we are cynical people at heart. We admit that we're sinners and, and we're, we're so quick to doubt. We're so quick to do our own thing. But thank you, God, for bringing Jesus right in front of our face that we wouldn't miss him. God, I pray for those in this church today that have missed Jesus. They have an intellectual knowledge of Jesus but have never really embraced this gift, never held this gift, never beheld this gift in wonder, never confessed their sins and said, I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus, so deeply to change my life and, 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 and give me access to the next life in heaven. God, I pray today that you put belief in those hearts in this room today. God, put belief in there. Put belief in there, oh Lord. Give the courage to say yes to Jesus over everything else. God, I pray for those in this room that are doubting. When they come in, they want to believe, but they just, they're, they're doubting. They're on the fence. The fence hurts. We know that. God, help them just to, to jump onto your side today and say, God, the evidence is there. You've shown me so clearly in my life, and now I just want to be all in for Jesus. God, help us start today and this week as, as Christmas festivities are going on. And God, for those that are here have bought in by your grace and have seen and beheld and are in awe of who you are, Father, I simply pray that you would give a greater a greater sense of worship and a greater boldness to share the reason for the season cliche but it's true Jesus Christ may we oh God hold nothing back in the way we spend this holiday season worshiping you and proclaiming you to all those around us a lost and dying world trapped in an airport of sin and shame and darkness God help us show them Jesus the path out the path to open up their lives to the full reality of spiritual things in all things, God, I pray you help us be light in this dark world. Thank you for being the light for us. Now, would we shine your light this week and this season for your glory? Oh, God, help this word to penetrate every heart. Not one, Lord, be unaffected today, mine included. In Jesus' name, amen.